Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao alongside Mo Patton, J.P. Plant on the controls, and we are glad to have you here on this Reaction Tuesday slash Top 5 Tuesday, where we give you the best, the, the most iconic or top sports duos in sports history. That will be in the final segment of today's show, so make sure to stick around for that. Now, over the weekend, I had a chance to get down see the parents and uh, spend Easter with my mom and dad. My dad's birthday obviously was Friday. So had a, had a lot of fun. On top of all of that, I got a chance to get to Protective Stadium for the first time and witness the inaugural contest in the new USFL between Birmingham and New Jersey. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was a great time. Also in town was Reed Johnson, who is affectionately known as the uh, the guy in podcasts for alternative football, CFL, XFL, USFL. He 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 knows it all. And Reed, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you for taking some time with us today. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, is that what they say? I don't know who says that, but hopefully, hopefully, good people say that. Uh, make sure you always say it's the new USFL. It's not the old USFL. That's right. uh, new, new USFL. We got to make sure about that. Yeah, apparently, because if if we don't, the they might get sued. Oh wait, it's already happened. It's already happened. <laughs> Reed, you know, you were in Birmingham this weekend, and I'm just curious what what were your overall thoughts of the you know the way the city handled the event. Um, the, the overall crowds, obviously Sunday was much smaller, um, but just overall, how, how did you feel like the, uh, the, the new USFL handled its opening weekend? You know, it's weird. We did a stream last night talking about it too. It seems like a lot of work was made. You know, we're getting the kickoff date. We're getting the April 16th. We're doing the simulcast. We're getting everybody on that. And then, you know, crowds really dropped the next day. I know that weather was a factor in that with thunderstorms and stuff. I have a lot of thoughts about the ticket pricing and how they went about that. But in general, it was really great. Protective Stadium was awesome. We stayed right across the street there at the West End. Um, really nice setup there with a bunch of bars and restaurants. I kept telling Dorothy, my wife, who was with me, you know, I don't know what this exists for except for the USFL. I mean, it really felt like that was a good fit that way. But uh, we can talk about crowds and being late arriving and early leaving. Uh, interesting crowd due to the ticket sales and pricing and stuff like that. I would certainly agree. I, you know, I was one of those who got there early and and stayed through and, and enjoyed the the entirety of the game because uh, I mean I'm I, obviously I see all of your stuff in the background there. You can see my uh, arena football helmet here, so we, we kind of have that uh, that camaraderie you and I about alternative football. And as far as alternative football is concerned, this this product seemed to be pretty good considering how quickly it was put together. Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't like that as the narrative, right? You know, Fox has said that sure. a lot too. And, and US, you know, you have established a timeline. You have a short timeline to save money. You have smaller rosters 
to save money. And so even the announcers, you know, Joel Klatt, Kurt Menefee were on there, uh, you know, Brock, you were the sidelines and stuff. You, you get a lot of this. Well, the guys are tired and conditioning and cramps and things like that, which, I mean, I am not a professional athlete, right? So I'm not going to speak on, I mean, tremendous effort and I no taking away from that. But uh, the reason why a lot of that is coming up is because it was a three week training camp and because they have you know, one preseason game a piece uh there's issues coming out now as well with the footballs and things like that i don't know if you guys want to get into that or more just mm. focusing on the birmingham stuff but uh you know a lot of this the self-inflicted timelines that they put on so i don't i don't particularly like that narrative <laughs> that's fair Sorry. that's fair you you can't create a timeline and then be mad blame that timeline <laughs> for whatever shortcomings there are with it. Reed Johnson of the Markcast with us here on Main Street Sports today. Um, Reed, um, as you mentioned, weather a big issue, but at the same time, three games in one day on one field. I'm not nearly as familiar with protective field as Chris is, but, you know, the logistics of that's got to – and again, again, that's of their creation as well. But that's got to be a little bit of an issue. I wonder if that's going to hold up going forward. I mean, it has to, right? That that's how they have a couple of weekends at Legion Field. People, I even saw debates online today on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, the reason why they're doing that is Fox has everything set up, right? So it's like we're moving in, we have everything ready to go. We're not repainting the field, we're not moving stuff around. So you're saving money a lot in that way. Uh, the, the couple of weeks that I think Protective's getting ready for the World Games, so they're going to have to move stuff to Legion. But again, it, it's all cost cutting. It, a lot of the issues that, that relate to a lot of this can be. Uh, dialed back to that of you know they're trying to save you know uh, timelines and and you know we don't have to bring in this many camera crews because we just have the one and we have everything set up i mean they have tremendous technology and drones and you know 52 cameras or whatever they said it's more than twice what they normally have for broadcast but uh a lot of that is because it's living there and they're able to kind of establish it that way is that going to be a problem going forward when they do move to home stadiums rita i mean in the event that obviously Tampa or New Jersey or Michigan host professional football games. Have you maybe over delivered in the first year? And now you've got to have 52 cameras in four different stadiums or eight different stadiums in the future on a week to week basis. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I actually hadn't in all the, it's interesting you bring that up. I've never even thought about that. And we've, we've obviously talked about the logistics of, you know, leases and setting up stuff in all the different stadiums and you got to house the players everywhere. Right. I mean, they have deals in place with Birmingham to house the players there at reduced cost. They're right next to the stadium. I mean, it's really easy to get everybody around, but Again, it's it's funny because you know we exist in this Twitter sphere of we all know what's going on every second of the USFL and the lawsuits and the training and all that stuff. But then you do get a lot of comments yesterday, people thinking that the game was in Tampa or thinking the game was in Pittsburgh. I mean, not realizing a lot of that. And I think that Fox really relied on running those ads for the first weekend and just thought, People are going to pay attention. I mean, I you know how it is. I'll post uh, I'll post the the ratings for the games and, and a bunch of context to it, and then people will respond. Well, you know, what was the ratings for Saturday? You're like, it, it was literally in the thing I just posted. Like, you, you know, people don't <laughs> read anymore. It's a really hard. You're telling that. us. So, yeah. So, so I think that they really relied on a lot of that, and, and we'll see. It's a huge jump. I, I don't think they're going to go 
all teams in Birmingham to eight teams out, right? I think originally the plan was to do a two-year transition, right? Maybe we move four teams next year or we do uh, two different hubs, right? Maybe we do a North Hub and a South Hub. But then you get a lot of matchups the same. You know, the Spring League, which was USFL before this, they did that and you ended up just having the same teams play each other. I mean, it's nice having eight teams be able to compete and you're just playing in your own division the whole time. It's interesting you, you mentioned ratings because the Saturday ratings were phenomenal for uh, what I expected. Um, over 3 million viewers uh, between the two Fox and NBC broadcast Sunday, an average of 2.1 during the early game and uh, 770,000. Not great for that late afternoon game, but also a lot going on. Easter dinner uh, for most people across the country <laughs> uh, and that sort of thing. So that you you have to you have to look at this as look this is a TV league this this has to be successful on television for Fox to care and we've seen this we've seen this story we we've seen the big numbers on week 1 and then it just falls off a cliff from there can this be sustained it's interesting. I would argue that the 700,000 on USA on Easter Sunday with an hour rain delay was actually probably the most impressive of those ratings, just because mm -hmm. you have to remember that's USA. It's a cable network. They were dealing with the thunderstorms. They had another law and order. They had, to, like, they had yeah. to move around. And so, I mean, I would honestly argue that that was probably more respectable that they got 700,000 on USA. That is tremendously impressive. I don't think the the 3.1 on on both networks on primetime Saturday with both network you know Fox had run a million ads about this and talked about it during the NFL and talked about it on NASCAR and talked about it on golf and all these things like that rating was expected i would have liked to see it higher i mean the xfl did that on one network uh multiple times you know on like two in the afternoon on a sunday uh, and not in prime time with both networks simulcasting it you know imagine if that was just on one network i don't think i don't think you pull 1.5 in each of those networks and suddenly drop it to one network and say well then Fox really got 3 million. I mean, that's not how the numbers work. I sure. mean, having the simulcast got them that high number and it, it will never be that high again uh, this year. I, I feel pretty confident about that. Even playoffs and stuff. I just don't see it getting back up to that with the hype. What, what were your thoughts, Rui, just in terms of the com competitiveness and, and the level of play? I mean, when you look back over these games, I didn't get to see Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh last night. Neither unfortunately but um the other three Didn't games just, uh, yeah apparently 17-3 bandits victory congrats congrats to bruno reagan bruno by reagan. the way but each of those first three games decided by one possession basically birmingham 28-24 over new jersey houston defeating michigan 17-12 and the breakers of new orleans new orleans with a 23-17 win over philadelphia but you know just whenever you're talking about alternative football as as you and Chris term it, the quality of play becomes a concern. What did you think of what you saw on the field? I mean, Saturday started really hot. I had a brief chat with uh, Brian Woods, who's the president of football operations there during halftime, just talking about the game. We were uh, kind of in the same area in suites there at the stadium. Uh, he was seemed really happy, right, that they got off to a hot start. Both teams scored on their first drive. Uh, it did lull a little bit. Um, 
you know, game ended close. Uh, You're always going to get this, you know, it's never going to be the NFL quality out the gate. I mean, even the NFL isn't, you know, you, especially when you don't have preseason games or as many as they have in the NFL the last couple of years, Uh, the games on Saturday uh, really suffered. I thought um, the Panthers, it had a lot of QB issues. A lot was made about Shea Patterson's um, kind of lack of direction and then Paxton Lynch, you know, maybe proving why uh, he wasn't what everyone thought he was going to be. There's been a lot of issues that have come out with the actual football that they're playing with. I, mm-hmm. I would attribute a lot of the issues to that as well as kind of the lack of training camp. I think you have both those so, 1A and 1B. Uh, Reed, explain what's what's going on with the, with the football because apparently there is an issue with the chip. Yeah. Uh, so the the uh, USFL's big new thing now is they are not using the chains. They're just um, they're, they're using the chip and laser technology to be able to measure you know first downs and things like that. And so what they've done is they've added a chip inside the ball. We've had reports out. Um, Pat McAfee picked up on one of them today. From I, I, I wish I could credit the the writer that was talking with some of the players. Uh, it's adding about a four or five ounce weight to the middle of the the ball uh not only is it making it harder uh for the kickers to kick right it's a physical item in there that they're they're kicking it, it's issuing that way it's adding uneven weight to the ball mm. and so what you're doing is in preseason and practices they're playing with normal footballs mm. you know the usfl has changed the colors a little bit you know they painted the ball but when you come to game day so that's why we saw a lot of missed field goals i thought yeah, brian scott i was watching the philadelphia game he's someone we've tracked uh through the spring league for years didn't seem great in, in all the throws and and a lot of the stories now are attributing it to that that they, they can't get a good spiral on the ball for the quarterbacks and then the kickers it's not only an uneven weight to kick but it's actually hurting uh, or making it more challenging to kick the ball as well i guess i just thought when they were putting a chip in it that they would like put a chip in each nose of the football i mean do we know where the chip is it's in the middle. It's in the middle. We had Sam Schwartzstein on uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was the guy, gentleman that created the XFL rule book back in 2020 with his team. They had looked at this as well. And Sam had talked about it because the idea when you put the chip of the ball, like you said, it, it it's not at the nose or either end it, it's in the center of the ball. So you're still having to add math and calculations that way to figure out, okay, where's the center of the ball to where is the nose and, and adding those calculations it's such a, a minute problem in normal NFL. Think of how many times we actually see chains come out in a, in a regular football game, maybe two or three times at that. Sam talked about that. You know, we have a million dollar solution for a problem that you got two sticks and in, in rope and, and, and you get the same idea, but Fox got a lot of publicity and views off of this. They, they tweeted the videos from preseason. They had millions of hits showing this technology. And I think they're going to be really hesitant about pulling back or dialing back on that now because of how much they've gotten. So one thing we need to do is when we're kicking, get regular footballs. That that would be the, yeah, that would be one way to get rid of that. Well, I mean, you have kicking balls right, in the NFL. So you could, yeah, use <laughs> use a ball without a chip for kicking. Right. Yeah. I, I bet I bet the uh the, the Rose from the New Jersey Generals would certainly like to have a regular football because he was he struggled. Well, on assuming that, that he's kicking next weekend. Well, I, I, there you go. 
Uh, Reed, well, but what if what if you had a kicking ball and then you decided to go for a field goal and it was a fake, fake it. and then you ran it and then oh my god now chaos ensues we don't know where the ball is I mean you know I yes ideally we would have two different whatever but you know you have a fake punt and then next thing you know where you know chaos is rained down and and the the game is done. <laughs> there you go, Reed Johnson of the Mark Cast here on Main Street Sports today. Reed, thank you so much for taking some time with us. I hope you enjoyed Birmingham. I hope you enjoyed uh, the USFL and continue to do so throughout the rest of the spring. Uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, looking forward to your podcast again. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can see it there on the screen at the underscore Mark Cast M A R K C A S T. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure to go give him a follow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Reed, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to take a quick break here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. And when we come back, we will talk about Sunday and some recruiting and other things. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, comes back after this. This. 